Welcome aboard the Hoffman Show. Team 980, always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, in for Craig Hoffman. We'll take you up to 7 o'clock tonight. Super producer Anthony Haney with me behind the glass. Chris Russell somehow has broken the mic here in studio, so I, the mic's got bacon neck, if you know what that means. I'm trying to get myself situated. Anthony, how are you, my friend? There's always something. Oh, here we go. Chris Russell always does something to the studio that comes uh, for the uh, the person that comes after him. I don't know what it is. We love Chris, but some, <laughs> sometimes he definitely does make it hard on the, the next host. You know what? He, he got to be more of a team player. <laughs> Usually I try to blame me because sometimes it's me coming out of the studio uh-huh. with Chris Russell post-show, but not today. Me and you, 4-7, to seven, right here on the Team 980. Crazy past 24 hours uh, here in our nation's capital. Want to peel back the curtain a little bit, Anthony Haney. I had some... I had like a mini tease for you as we were walking in the studio, texting right now back and forth with the left tackle of your Washington Commanders, Charles Leno. We're going to try to get him on the program uh, before we get out of here today. But And obviously, we want to start off. I was listening to you and Doc yesterday, by the way. Just absolute pure entertainment for two and a half hours. Y'all two should. Mm. And, and, and y'all were very polite to me, which I do want to say thank you for. Y'all were polite to me. I yep. think that's because I had you in the studio. Um, but, no, obviously the big story yesterday is the ESPN article that comes out from Jeremy Fowler and John Kime. I called it an expose, Anthony Haney, because it's not really, you know, speaking too highly of Eric Bieniemy. It gives you an inside look at the moments that led up to Ron Rivera firing Jack Dario and, Brett, and Brent Wieselmeyer, which was – just a savage way that Ron went about it, by the way. But it was uh, it, it was interesting, and it's been the talk of the town here locally, and that's why I'm praying and hoping we can get Charles Leno on because I think what better perspective to get than someone that actually deals with Eric Bandemi on a down-in, or excuse me, on a day-in, a day-out basis. But just to reiterate, you know, my thoughts on the situation, and I've gotten the opportunity to sit back, decompress a little bit because I was fired up yesterday when I initially saw – the report and got to read it as the show was happening. Big picture, I think it confirms some things that I was already thinking uh, about the current state of the Washington Commanders locker room. It's very, very easy to be a Eric Bieniemy style coach, a demanding, in-your-face, no-nonsense coach when the results are there. Through the first 13 weeks, this team is 4-9 and nine and offensively, They've hit a complete standstill uh, the past three games. So the results aren't there. So, yes, you're going to hear guys going out and bickering. But to me, and I'll read one of the excerpts here from the article, and this is from a Kansas City Chiefs source, and I think this quote sums up everything perfectly. As one Kansas City source said, he's demanding, he'll push people, and he doesn't care if he ruffles feathers. The source also said that same Chief source went out and said that many players in Kansas City needed that push, including Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, and Tyreek Hill. I said it yesterday. I'll say it again. Eric Bieniemy is the only person right now in Ashburn that has Super Bowl hardware. He's the only person right now in Ashburn that's got championship pedigree. So when I hear players complaining and I hear that feathers are being ruffled, I kind of look at it as water under the bridge at this point. Yesterday, I was all fired up and angry about it. Now it's water under the bridge. Because at the end of the day, 
four weeks from now at season's end, and as we creep into the offseason, this roster is going to look a hell of a lot different. And it'll be easy to weed out the guys that are willing to put in the work and the guys who aren't willing to put in the work. Before we get out of here in the opening segment, I want to read to you uh, Jason Wright penned a letter to season ticket holders. They sent out uh, their renewal emails yesterday. And Jason Wright penned a letter to season ticket holders. We'll get to that before we get out of here. But right now, Anthony Haney, you know I'm a hoophead. I get to watch Luka the Don last night. Luka Doncic went absolutely crazy. It was a historic night in hoops. Luka last night in the blowout win uh, over the Utah Jazz recorded the first ever 25-point triple-double at halftime. At halftime, I might add. Luka Doncic getting buckets, doing what he does best. And it's crazy because I'm flipping back and forth. I got league pass, by the way. Flipping back and forth on league pass, and you notice the score just getting more and more out of hand every time you go back to check on Jazz and Mavericks. Dallas ends up winning 147-97. to We mentioned Luka made history, registering the first 25-point triple-double in the first half. He also moves past Larry Bird on the NBA's all-time triple-doubles list. Luka Doncic now in sole possession at ninth place. And the crazy part about this is I'm doing some research before the show. Luka Doncic, 60 career triple-doubles in 349 regular season games. It took Larry Bird 897 regular season games to achieve that feat. Luka the Don, all giggles and wiggles postgame, talking about uh, his big-time performance. I imagine it's pretty important to come out here and get this win and get it in 50-point. That's re- that's resounding fashion. Yeah, uh, the point I said before the game, you know, we just can't f- around and... Uh, Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> it. You, you haven't been getting sleep. You haven't been getting sleep. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, I'm sorry, but we, we uh, came out with great energy, you know, on the offensive end, on the offensive end, so it was a great win. Luka Doncic, since becoming a father, Anthony Haney, 76 points, 29 assists, 25 rebounds, and 11 threes in two games. He is going Kanye crazy. Anyone out there who has a kid, Obviously, I'm the youngest in charge room, so I don't got no tune. But everyone talks about, you know, the especially during the early portions of childhood, the infant stage, where you're waking up and changing diapers and making bottles at 3, 4 o'clock in the morning. It probably made Luka angry. And that's why the Dallas, excuse me, that's why the Utah Jazz ended up getting it last night from Luka the Don. The Wizards were in action last night as well. And Wizards Twitter is always, I call it the most toxic place in all of the internet. It really is. I don't speak in hyperbole when I say that. As I'm watching last night's game and then scrolling through Twitter, first of all, it felt like, man, no one's interested in the Washington Wizards right now. The last time Joel Embiid and company came to town, or the last time Washington took on uh, Joel Embiid and company, I believe gave him 46 points. Last night, more of the same. But the Wizards, to me at least, played their most complete game of the season last night. And yes, it comes in a loss. And yes, you ended up giving up 50 points to Joel Embiid. But there were so many cool silver linings in last night's, I was going to say last night's win, in last night's moral victory, as I would call it. You saw Bilal Koulibaly continue to take another step forward and play good basketball. He absolutely posterized Paul Reed, the big man from the 76ers. Bilal finishes with 14 points, 6-10 to 10 shooting. And it's crazy because I remember it like it was yesterday. We were doing 
our NBA draft coverage over on the concourse at Cap One Arena, and I remember when the pick came in and I saw that it was Bilal Koulibaly, I was mad. I was angry. I didn't know much about the kid. I was ignorant. But after watching this team play for 20 games now to this point, it's a shame to me that he's coming off the bench. And he's probably been the biggest bright spot for this team in the first 20 games of the season. 19 years old, he's the third youngest player right now in the association, and he continues to get better every night he touches the floor. Every night he touches the floor, Bilal Koulibaly improves. And I tweeted something out earlier that got a lot of people's panties in a wad. I think that Bilal Koulibaly is a culture-setting type of draft pick for the Washington Wizards, and here's why. Think about the Achilles heel of this group the last three, four years under Wes Unsell Jr. Defense. They, as Kyle Kuzma put it, can't guard a stop sign. Blau Koulibaly takes the opposing team's best offensive player each night and lives with the results. 19 years old, he's fearless, plays with his hair on fire. But the reason I think he could be a culture-setting type of pick is because everyone should follow suit. And play just the way Bilal Koulibaly plays. If Washington had 13 Bilal Koulibaly's on the roster, they'd be a hell of a lot better than 3-17. and And I've been very critical, you know, of the Wizards and some of their decision-making here through the first 20 games of the season. But one thing that we got to see moving forward is Bilal Koulibaly's got to play starters minutes. Right? Here it is the last 11 games. 28 and a half minutes per contest. 10 points per game. 4 rebounds. 2 assists. Nearly two steals on 57% shooting from the field and 44% shooting from beyond the arc. So if you increase his volume in terms of minutes and you increase his usage, Bilal at this point maybe could be a 14 to 15 point per game score. That's the type of vibe he gives me. And as the season continues to play out, I expect his role uh, to continue to grow. But if you look on NBA.com right now, the rookie ladder, the last time I checked, Bilal was in sixth in NBA.com's rookie ladder. So he's getting national attention as well uh, for the way that he's played through the first 20 games of the season. We got Thursday night football as well tonight. Anthony, what are you going to do tonight instead of watching Thursday night football? Because Mitch Trubisky versus Bailey Zappi is probably the yuckiest matchup we've had to this point. I'm looking forward to it, to be honest. Are you sprinkling for, a little change on hey, look, or what? For fantasy football fantasy. implications, okay. yes. Damn, who do you have on your fantasy football team from Pittsburgh or New England? Their offenses suck. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> the offenses suck, but guess what? Pittsburgh's defense. Legit. Legit, and they need to bounce back against a terrible New England Patriots offense. So I got the Steelers defense, and also I have Najee Harris. I think I'm going to take him out of my lineup just because the Patriots defense has been playing pretty good. They actually. have. There was a graphic that I had. I believe they're giving up the fewest amount of points in the last month. Yeah, like they, they had three straight anybody, weeks where they yeah. limited everybody to 10 or less. So it's impressive. Help. It's impressive what we've seen. The combination of Mitch Trubisky, Bailey Zappi, and Al Michaels on the call. I know a lot of people have been critical of his commentary on uh, Amazon's Thursday night prime broadcast. We'll get to hear the good pipes of Al Michaels once more. I promised you before we got out of here uh, in the first segment, I'd read you this letter. From Commander's team president, Jason Wright. And I'll just read what he said on the football front. And there's a line in here that really caught my attention. He says, on the football front, we recognize we've had challenges on the field this season. 
We can't and won't shy away from that, but there are many reasons for continued optimism, led by an ownership group that has set a vision for building a team that can win sustainably over the long term. We are in an enviable position with quality draft capital, five picks in the top 100, as well as ample salary cap space to add to this team. And then here's where it gets juicy. Plus, Sam Howell continues to develop and impress thanks to a tremendous arm, incredible work ethic, and undeniable toughness. For these reasons, we believe the future is very bright for the Washington Commanders. That was a letter that was attached to season ticket holders yesterday uh, as they, as the Burgundy and Gold try to get people to re-up and buy some tickets uh, for the 2024 outfit. I want to pay attention to that last line, though. Current management, the current regime, continuing to big up Sam Howell. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, I want to let you hear from a longtime NFL insider, Jason Lockenfora. He's been talking to current employed GMs throughout the National Football League, and they've got some very interesting things to say about Sam Howell. All that and more next here on the Team 980. 980. We're always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey apps. The youngest in charge movement, Linnell Willingham, in for Craig Hoffman. We'll take you up to 7 o'clock tonight. Coming up, top of the 5 o'clock hour, we'll be joined by our pal Eric Eager, the co-host of the Sumer Sports Podcast with former Falcons general manager Thomas Dimitrov. He'll join us in Not My Beat. We'll ask him all things burgundy and gold, and we'll take a big-picture look around the National Football League as well. That's at the top of the 5 o'clock hour. I teased going into the last break. I uh, got to sit down with Jason Lockenfora last week on overtime. Longtime NFL insider. He is our Odyssey NFL insider right now, and he's just one of the more plugged-in guys around the National Football League. And We talked a little bit about Sam Howell, and before I play you the audio uh, that we have from Jason Lockenfora, I want to just big picture, just look at the state of the Washington Commanders right now with a specific lens being put on the quarterback position. Now, obviously, what we've seen from Sam Howell this season has been pretty damn good, is how I would describe it. The highs are the high and the lows are low, but consistency is the thing to me that is lacked with Sam Howell through 13 starts this year. Now, he had that three-game stretch against Philadelphia, New England, and Seattle where he looked like he was making his way towards being this team's long-term answer at quarterback. Both of those Philadelphia games were phenomenal, but having the three-game stretch of Philly, New England, and Seattle answered a lot of questions for us because before that three-game stretch, we hadn't seen Sam put together back-to-back quality performances. And we got three very good ones. Now, Sam, in his last three games, it's been a completely different story. And I think we've discussed it on this program here before. It has a lot to do with the defenses that he's had to go up against here in the past three weeks. Dallas, Miami, two upper echelon units. And it's not like Sam Howell's the only one struggling. The uh, the entire offense is struggling uh, here in the last three weeks. But that second Giants meeting, the Thanksgiving debacle, and then this past Sunday against Miami, 
three straight games for Sam Howell where I know he feels like he can play better. But the question that's going to face whatever regime takes over next year here in Washington, the question that they're going to have to answer is, do I feel comfortable moving forward with Sam Howell as my long-term answer at quarterback? I sat down with longtime NFL insider Jason Lock and Fora, and he's talked to some current GMs around the National Football League, and here's what he's gathered on Sam Howell. I can tell you just GMs I talk to regularly who we just shoot the bull about all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. They 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 believe it like they're like you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than this kid. Like really? this kid going into his second full year as a starter. If I was in the job market, would I look at that as a net positive or a negative or a neutral? They would say net positive. Hmm. Um, and look, quarterbacks are going to go one two. You know, Caleb Williams, Drake May. That's going to happen. It'll probably be in that order, but I would say it's not guaranteed. Hmm. I think it's going to be one of the things that makes that job attractive. And guys who have no dog in this fight, yeah. who I just trust. Um, have multiple of them have said to me unsolicited, like, hey, they found, like, Marty found another one. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Marty's in all these college press boxes everywhere we go. One of my scouts is sitting next to Marty. And you know what? He, he found himself a hell of a quarterback there. Whether he gets to stick around for the development or not, like, I, 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 I think the kid's going to win a lot of games in this league. Jason Lockenfora giving a ringing endorsement of Sam Howe as the long-term answer at quarterback here for the Washington Commanders. Now, it doesn't surprise me at all to hear opposing executives talking about Sam Howell in this light. He's bold. He has completely exceeded my expectations for what I thought he could do this year. I don't want to say completely exceeded. That's a little hyperbolic. But he is right around where I thought he could be, and the situation that he's in is a lot worse than initially anticipated. We knew going in this offensive line was going to struggle. But here over the last month or so, they've been god-awful. We knew coming into the season that Sam Howell is set up for success because of the weapons he has on the perimeter. Talking about Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel. We were big up in the tight ends. We loved the running back room. So, yeah, there were expectations for Sam Howell, but I think some of the things he's shown us this year through 13 games, it's hard to not be impressed by. If you're not impressed by it, you're just a hater, in my opinion. But as we sit here with three, four games left to go, I think the question's got to start shifting towards, well, what what does he have to do here in this final month to solidify himself as the guy going into 2024? Is there anything he can do to solidify himself as the guy going into next year? Or do we think it's one of those situations where it's like, no matter who comes in here, they're going to pick their own guy. And the beautiful thing about having the Sam Howell discussion and the future of the commander's discussion, you can't be wrong. You can't be wrong. Doing sports radio right now is like being a weatherman. Doesn't matter what the hell you say. Accuracy doesn't matter. But I do think it's fascinating that we're at this point. And I say it all the time. I'm guilty of it. I always wonder, and it's an impossible hypothetical, 
if Sam Howell wasn't a fifth-round pick, if Sam Howell didn't have that fifth-round tag attached to him, would there be any question about whether or not he was going to be the starter next year in his second full season? Think about if a first-round quarterback was in this scenario. If you took a first-round quarterback, there's no way you'd be talking about replacing him after 13 starts, but it feels like that's where we are right now. The jury is very much still out on what Sam Howell is eventually going to be. I did a Twitter poll, I believe it was Tuesday night. We read the results on overtime. The question was, if Washington bolsters the offensive line this offseason and gets Sam Howell a marquee weapon on the perimeter at either tight end or wide receiver, what would his ceiling be? What does he have the potential to turn into? We had 400 people participate, which is actually just sad-ass numbers considering what I have on Twitter. 57% of you think that Sam could eventually develop himself into a top 12 to 16 quarterback in the mold of a Kirk Cousins is the example that I'll use. 30% of you, crazy as hell, thinks he can end up being a top 10 quarterback. In the ilk of a Burrow, Allen, Mahomes, Hurts. 9% of you think his ceiling is a fringe starter. (laughs) Top 20 to 32 guys in the league. And then 4% of you are kind of like me. I have no clue. But that's what the next four weeks are about. Figuring out what you have under center with Sam Howell. Because guess what? If the season ended today, the Washington Commanders would have the fourth overall pick in the draft. And as we sit here on December 7th, I have no clue what position they should be targeting. It's December 7th, 2023. Washington currently slotted to have a top five pick in April's draft. If the season ended today, I have no clue where that draft pick would go. But we're going to tackle that here in the next half hour. When we come back, I want to take a look at two mock drafts that have already been released. One by The Athletic and one by CBSSports.com. Both of these mock drafts have Washington going in two completely different directions. We'll give you more next here on the Team 980. I can tell you just GMs I talk to regularly who we just shoot the bull about all kinds of stuff. Mm-hmm. They 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 believe it like they're like you could do a whole hell of a lot worse than this kid. Like really? this kid going into his second full year as a starter, if I was in the job market, would I look at that as a net positive or a negative or a neutral? They would say net positive. Hmm. Um and look, quarterbacks are gonna go one, two, you know, Caleb Williams, Drake May, that's gonna happen. It'll probably be in that order, but I would say it's not guaranteed. Hmm. I think it's going to be one of the things that makes that job attractive. And guys who have no dog in this fight, yeah. who I just trust, um, have multiple of them have said to me unsolicited, like, hey, they found, like, Marty found another one. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, Marty's in all these college press boxes everywhere we go. One of my scouts is sitting next to Marty. And you know what? He, he found himself a hell of a quarterback there. Whether he gets to stick around for the development or not, like, I, 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 I think the kid's going to win a lot of games in this league. That's Audis, the NFL insider, Jason Lockenfora, giving us the skinny on what he's hearing 
uh, from current executives around the National Football League in terms of Sam Howell and what the the vibe is about him moving forward. Now, before we went to break, I teased the Commanders have are probably going to have a top five pick. If the season ended today, they would have the number four overall pick. And my question really is, what direction should they be going right now? What direction should Washington be going as we sit here on December 7th, 2023? I want to take a look at two mock drafts that have come out here in the past 48 hours. I mean, Dane Brugler of The Athletic always just does tremendous work putting out his mock draft every year. And Ryan Wilson of CBSSports.com, who is known to stir the pot a little bit in terms of mock draft season. Both of those guys mocked a player to Washington at pick number four, and they were two completely different directions. I want to look at the one from our man Dane Brugler. This one has Washington as the fifth pick in the draft, and it has Washington going with Olu Fashanu, the local kid, the tackle out of Penn State. Four was Joe Alt from Notre Dame uh, to Chicago. Three was Drake May of North Carolina to the Patriots. Two was Marvin Harrison Jr., the receiver out of Ohio State. He had him going to Arizona. And then he had the Chicago Bears selecting Caleb Williams, number one overall. But at number five, Washington goes with Olu Fashanu, the offensive tackle prospect. A lot of folks are dubbing him the best tackle prospect they've ever graded. A lot of Trent Williams comparisons uh, here in the recent weeks as his season has played out. He's a dominant young man. He's a dominant young man. And if I had my choice with a number four overall pick and Olu Fashanu was on the board, I'd be really hard-pressed to pass on this kid. It would be really difficult for me to turn in my card with his name not on it. Think about the way this team is built right now. The offensive line is probably the biggest Achilles heel offensively. You heard what Jason Lock and Fora and others have said about Sam Howe. In this mock draft in particular, Washington goes the direction of building around Sam, insulating the roster around your young quarterback, the way the Eagles have done around Jalen Hurts, the way the 49ers have done around Brock Purdy. It's a damn good way to team build, if you ask me. But I know there are others out there that feel like you got to do it another way. You got to have a top five quarterback. I got to have a top 10 quarterback to be a perennial contender. That takes us over to Ryan Wilson's mock draft for CBSSports.com. The Commanders in this mock draft picking fourth. Now, he's got a mock trade at the top of the draft. He has the New England Patriots pick swapping with the Bears. And the Patriots end up with Caleb Williams at number one overall. Number two overall, Marvin Harrison Jr. goes to Chicago. And in this scenario, I would think he's playing with Justin Fields. Number three, he has the Arizona Cardinals going with Olu Fashanu. Now, that's interesting to me because they just drafted Paris Johnson. I don't know if Paris Johnson is playing left tackle or right tackle. But if they go with Olu, you've got your two bookend tackles for years to come. And you've got your quarterback with Kyler Murray. That leaves Washington at number four overall. 
and uh, don't hold your breath, folks. He's got Washington taking LSU quarterback Jaden Daniels, the Heisman frontrunner right now. He has going to Washington, and here's the explanation that Ryan Wilson gave. He says, I know that Sam Howell is the commander's quarterback and that he's had a solid year, too, while showing signs of real growth, but there's also a pretty good chance new ownership is looking for a new coach, and often new coaches like to have, quote-unquote, their quarterback. No player improved more this fall than Daniels, whose game reminds me a lot of Lamar Jackson. Now, when I hear Lamar Jackson, when I hear Jaden Daniels being compared to Lamar Jackson, I, I instantly start drooling, right? You love the prospect of that. And if you haven't watched much college football this year, Jaden Daniels, by the time April rolls around, by the time April rolls around and the Chicago Bears are on the clock at number one overall, Jaden Daniels may be considered the second best quarterback in this class. Hell, he may even be considered the first best quarterback in this class, depending on how folks view Caleb Williams. So two very different scenarios here if you're the Washington Commanders at number four overall. You can go bookend tackle and build around your young quarterback and Sam Howell. Or you can hit the reset button and get a top five prospect at the quarterback position in Jaden Daniels. See, me, I, I say it all the time. Whoever takes this job, yeah, it's attractive. You got five picks in the top 100. You've got Buku cap space. But the initial decision that you're going to have to make when getting here to D.C., the initial decision that you're going to have to make when you get here about the quarterback position, that decision when new management gets here is going to really shape the future of their tenure here. Because you mess up and you swing and miss on a quarterback at number four overall, it sets your franchise back. Or... If you make the decision of rolling with Sam Howell and he proves to not be the guy, who's to say you're going to be bad enough to be in the top five again to get that franchise-altering quarterback? So it's a crazy scenario that the new regime is going to have to, you know, comb through here in the next couple of months or so. Washington right now, if the season ended today, would have the fourth overall pick we we'll to open up the phones on this. Ace Law Lister lines wide open. 301-230-0980 is the number. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. If the season ended today, the Washington Commanders would have the fourth overall pick in April's draft. Just gave you two mock drafts. One from Dane Brugler of The Athletic and one from Ryan Wilson of CBSSports.com. Dane has the Commanders taking Olu Fashanu fourth overall, and he has them building around Sam Howell. Ryan Wilson has the commanders going with Heisman frontrunner Jaden Daniels at number four overall. We'll take a quick timeout. When we come back, we'll take your calls and we'll get your response as to what the commander should do with that pick. And then I'll tell you a wild card scenario at number four overall that the commanders should be looking at. Your calls next here on the Team 980. Welcome back. It's the Hoffman Show. Team 980, always streaming live nationally on the free Odyssey app. It's the youngest in charge, Will Mitlanel Willingham, sitting in for Craig Hoffman as we'll take you up to 7 o'clock here tonight. 
And we'll get to the calls here in a second. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law listener lines. Anthony, something just came across my Twitter timeline, and I'm all for having, you know, cool guests on, you know, college game day. You know how they do their guest picker bit. They have Bill Belichick as the guest picker this Saturday on college game day. He is the most stale, boring TV personality in the world. He's probably not even going to give a pick. He's probably not even going to give a pick. That's actually hilarious. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know where they are this weekend. <laughs> Bill I, know, I know where he is tonight. Yeah. Coaching Bailey Zappi and company, but woof. Nothing screams the Patriots are out of contention more than Bill Belichick being on college game day this Saturday. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law list of the lines. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore BTP. Let's reset the question here real quick. If the season ended today, Washington would have the fourth overall pick in the draft. Based on what you know right now about this franchise, what position should this team be targeting? There's a multitude of different ways we could look at it. What pick should they be targeting? And then here's the wild card scenario that I wanted to throw at you all. Would it make sense for Washington to trade back? From number four overall, especially if the mock draft goes the way Ryan Wilson of CBS Sports described. If Washington is in love with Sam Howe and someone else is in love with a quarterback prospect and they want to get up to number four, Washington could potentially trade back from four, still be high enough in the draft where you can get Joe Alt or J.C. Latham, two elite tackle prospects in this class. I I think Washington has to consider that. The cupboard is bare is the way I would describe it. There is not a lot of talent on both sides of the football here in D.C. That's just how I feel. And when you're 4-9 and nine and you've been blown out as many times as Washington has this year, kind of proves my point. So they need as much talent as possible. But if the season ended today and the Commanders had the fourth overall pick, which way should they be leaning? 301 230 Zero nine eighty is the number. Let's go out to my man Fast Eddie. What's going on, Eddie? Hey man, I appreciate you taking my call. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I've been preaching this thing for I've been preaching this for years, man. Offensive line. That's what us Redskins fan wants. I mean, if you go left tackle or trade back and give me all offensive linemen. You know what I mean? I just <laughs> I hear the best defense. A good offense. We won three Super Bowls with three crappy quarterbacks. What do we have? The most dominant offensive sport. I mean, look, man, it ain't that hard. Josh Harris, my, my, Magic, if you're listening, Fast Eddie's here to help you. All you got to go is get up on the podium and say, hey, we're going to go back to our roots. I'm, 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 I'm committed to having the best offensive line in football. We're going to use all of our picks on offensive line. I'm gonna, I'm, we're going to name ourselves the Hogs. I'm going to get the RK deal done. Drop the mic. <laughs> And sell tickets for the next two years. Just give me an eight and eight next year with a with a with a dominant with a dominant offensive line. That I know, regardless of if Sam Hell works out or anyone else, we got the quarterback protected. I mean, how many quarterbacks have we had just season-ending injuries, your legs broken in fifteen pieces? This Madrid, it would he last? Not, not not even two quarters, and he's he's out for the season. I mean, please, man, please, offensive line, offensive line, man. Fast Eddie, I appreciate you tapping in as always, my man. I hear it. I hear it. And the reason I wanted to bring this up, because I know the fan base is probably 
going seven different directions on this topic in particular. My man, Sir Lucius Lefham, my dog, tweets at me and says, what up now? Dream scenario, trade their second round picks for a top 10 pick and then draft a quarterback and an offensive lineman in the first round. I want to go into more detail about the trade back scenario. Because to me, there's only a couple of reasons why you trade back. And here's one reason why you don't trade back. If you are in love with a prospect, and if you feel a prospect is a generational talent, I don't care what picks you can get on the back end. Trading back defeats the purpose. These scouts are on the road all year long, grinding the tape, trying to figure out who's the creme de la creme of the draft class. I'd be ticked. I'd be ticked if I was a guy in the war room and my guy's available at number four, the guy that I'm banging the table for, and then we decide to trade back and said prospect turns into a Hall of Famer. Scenarios like this happen all the time. But from Washington's perspective, I think the argument, and I phrased it as what you would do with the pick, the argument really is quarterback versus offensive tackle. Now, I know there are some people out there who are just absolutely ludicrous and think that drafting Marvin Harrison Jr. would be the sexy, cool, cute thing to do. If Washington takes Marvin Harrison Jr., I'd be, I, I've learned my lesson is what I'll say about making guarantees and declarations. But, man, I'd be ticked off. Clearly, this group needs a hell of a lot more than a wide receiver. There's an argument to be made that they don't even have their quarterback. So to choose a wide receiver would be stuck on stupid. There are two generational tackle prospects that are expected to go within the top ten. Joe Alt, I would really say three. Olu Fashanu, and then my man J.C. Latham from Bama. And I love me some J.C. Latham because he's doing it in the SEC. When you're an elite tackle prospect playing SEC ball, it just hits different. But if you're Washington, I think we're at a point right now that we've seen the flashes from Sam Howell, right? We've seen what it looks like when you protect him well, when you give him time to throw. And I would argue when he's protected, when the offense has balance, like we saw in the two Philadelphia games, the Seattle game, he looked like a top 12 quarterback. And as I said earlier in the show, It's hard for us sometimes as fans to ignore that fifth-round tag that Sam Howell has attached to him. Because if he wasn't a fifth-round pick, there really wouldn't be a question about what Washington should do if they have a top-five pick coming up in April's draft. 301-230-0980 is the number on the Ace Law listener lines. You can tweet at me as well. It's at N-E-L-L underscore B-T-P. If the season ended today, Washington would have a top-five pick in April's draft, what would you like to see them do with the pick? I'll let you read from a couple of different mock drafts. Ryan Wilson of CBSSports.com has Washington taking a quarterback at number four. Dane Brugler of The Athletic has Washington going offensive tackle with their top five pick. What do you think's the right move? Let's go to Matt. What's going on, Matt? Hey, Linnell. Thanks for taking my call. Appreciate you. If we're in a top five and they got a generational left tackle that's what they should take if not then they should trade back get as many picks as they can but they need to they need to concentrate on the offensive line most of the top the picks we the five picks we have in the uh 100 
should be offensive linemen because I think Hal can do the job. He just needs some time to be able to stand back there and look around to find out who's open as opposed to what he's doing this year, which is running for his life. Yeah, man, I hear you. I mean, anyone who watches can tell that Sam Howell, when protected, is a pretty damn good quarterback. We just don't know what that ceiling is. In terms of the decision you just made, right, Matt, does it have to do more with how bad the offensive line is or does it have to do with your belief in Sam Howell? From what I've seen from Sam, I think he's got the ability to be a top 12, top 10 quarterback based on what he's done with what he's what he's working with as an offensive line. In the beginning of the year, a lot of the sacks were on him. Mm-hmm. Now most of the sacks are on the offensive line. Matt, appreciate the call as always, my friend. I, I hear and I, I tend to agree with Matt. I really do. And I know I've been very critical of Sam Howell at times this year. Because I just want to see consistent quarterback play. But I do understand that there's a certain lens that you have to look at the quarterback position through here in Washington. It's no coincidence the kid's leading the NFL in passing yards. There's no coincidence he's amongst the top five in passing touchdowns. There's no coincidence he leads the NFL in big-time throws. But the down-in, down-out consistency for me is a problem with Sam Howell. And I'm just playing devil's advocate here. But let's just compare the two entities. Jaden Daniels, the quarterback prospect, and Sam Howell, the quarterback prospect. When Sam was coming out of UNC two seasons ago, or was it last year, were they talking about Sam the way they're talking about Jaden Daniels? Was, was Sam Howell in the Heisman conversation? Hell no. So if it's just an apples-to-apples apples comparison and you choose whether you want to have Jaden Daniels as your quarterback or Sam Howell as your quarterback, I think the answer is probably Jaden Daniels. And it's a, as Craig Hoffman likes to say, this is a multifactorial situation. You know what I'm saying? Because look at it this way. You have Sam Howell under contract for two more years, and then you're going to have to decide whether or not you want to pay him like a Jalen Hurts Or do you want to pay him like a middle-tier quarterback? And I'll be honest with you. If he goes out next year and puts up really good damn numbers, that price tag is going to continue to go up. With Jaden Daniels, and this is why a first-round quarterback is the most valuable asset in football, you have five years of control of Jaden Daniels. Yeah, Sam Howell might be better than Jaden Daniels on day one, But by the time Sam Howell's rookie contract is up, there's a chance that Jaden Daniels may be the better of the two quarterbacks. That's why it's a fascinating discussion. 301-230-0980 is the number. We'll bump Eric Eager back to 515. We'll take a national look uh, at the NFL and not my beat. But when we come back, I want to take more of these calls. If the season ended today, the Commanders would have a top five pick in April's draft. What do you want them to do with that pick? A lot of people think you should build around this offensive line and move forward with Sam Howell as your quarterback. I think that maybe drafting a quarterback and having five years of control, that may be the better option. 301-230-0980 is the number. More of your calls next year on the Team 980.